Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Barry. Good evening. Well, it depends on when you're listening to this, I guess. <laughs> Good evening as I as I speak. That's right. Uh, same here. So, uh, we are going to be reviewing Spider-Man Far From Home, which came out, uh, what, about a, a little over a week ago? Yeah. Yeah, it was over yeah. the 4th of July weekend, I think, is when it came out. Or not 4th of July weekend, 4th of July holiday. Um, so this is, of course, the, the second outing for, for Tom Holland. Uh, so, And, of course, he's been in two Spider-Man movies as well as a couple Avengers movies. So it's safe to say that he has you know, really entrenched himself into the role of Spider-Man at this point. Uh, so this one I, I had uh, a lot of hype for, uh, for a number of reasons. One, uh, it's this, you know, the next Spider-Man movie, so I wanted to see what they did. And then before the release came out, we were told that this had a lot of spoilers in it. Uh, first of all, spoilers for people that hadn't seen Endgame, so that's uh, it was an important that's, thing. That's six people in, on Earth, probably. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, right. That's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of people that uh, have seen Endgame, given the $2.77 billion that it's uh, made. <laughs> how far is it from the I think title? it's pretty close, actually. I, I don't think it's that far away, honestly. It's not going to get it, though, is it? I don't think so. I really, uh, I think it's going to just come up just short. Uh, maybe at some point in time, they'll re-release it, maybe a couple of years down the line. Maybe it'll be, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's not really that important. So, no. Nah. No, no. You know, if you made two point seven seven billion dollars, I think you've <laughs> done pretty well for yourself. Just saying. Yes. Uh, I don't think you need to pass Avatar to be, uh, you know, a cultural phenomenon kind of thing. <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, let's do the rundown here. So, release date for the movie is July second, twenty nineteen. It was written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers, directed by John Watts, who directed the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming movie a couple of years ago. A runtime of two hours and nine minutes, a budget of $160 million, which I thought was a little low. I, I was a little surprised it was uh, only 160 Uh Box office of $220.3 million domestic, $392.7 million foreign, for a currently global take of $613 million. Not too shabby after For only a being one week and a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the cast is, of course, Tom Holland, Jake Gyllenhaal, Samuel Jackson, John Favreau, Marissa Tomei, and Zendaya. So, uh, Raker, let's um, do Geek Speak first. Okay. Uh, so for again, for the now, now I want the listeners to know that it's been a while since I've been part of the MPU, the Michael Podcasting <laughs> Universe. Um, so a lot of what we'll be discussing here will be, you know, new yeah. to each of us. So, 
Yeah, it is new. And so welcome to the reunion, listeners. That's welcome right. It, it has been a long time coming, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and actually, I missed out on Godzilla. I hope I hope you listeners listen. You know, got the thing on Godzilla. I, would, I, I should listen to it myself. Yeah, it's um, this movie uh is uh, a good one to review. But I'll be honest, uh, when Sarah and I did a review of uh, Stranger Things episode mm-hmm. one for season three, we did a review last night. That's yeah. the first time we've been on since uh, Godzilla. Oh, really? Because wow. I, I had yeah. gone on vacation, and then Sarah had gone on vacation the right. week after She was that, sick, right? And then she was sick for a couple of weeks. And so we just you know, were unable to get on yeah. here and do anything. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you, know uh, you haven't so been on So many of you listeners while. are probably suffering from MPU withdrawal here. Yeah. So here I'm here to help enlighten you. That's right. So, uh, Raker, Geek Speak, uh, you know – Again, if you are like living under a rock, then you maybe haven't heard of a little show called Stranger Things. Mm. So, what do you think, Raker? Uh, pretty awesome so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not obviously. I'm not you know gonna do a full you know review by any means. Uh, but so I, I can I can say I binged. I watched the whole thing within three days. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it, but that's, you know what I mean? I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to give away for anyone that's listening that it's only on, you know, episode two or three or four even, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people like to just take their time. I have a friend of mine that only watches it once a week because he wants to kind of space it out like a regular TV show, you know what I mean? So, uh, but overall, yeah, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I find false with it, of course, like I do anything, but overall, it, yep. it definitely fit. It fits in well with the other, you know, the first two seasons, which I thought were very good. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm anxious for a fourth. Yeah, this is, of course, a recommendation for this episode. Uh, we don't always have recommendations in each episode mm. of the podcast, but uh, oh, then then I give it the highly recommended. Highly recommended. Yeah, yeah uh, it's it, highly recommended. I'll, I'll just say right now um, that I think that season three is better than season two um, yeah i'll give you that too i would go if i had to rank them i would go first season third season second season yeah i agree so um I agree. but anyway that's our recommendation so if you haven't heard of stranger things um i don't know where <laughs> you've been living but uh yeah. you should uh, definitely get like netflix if just like if you didn't see avengers <laughs> yeah know, what this honestly. avengers movie <laughs> what are you talking about yeah uh, all right, so um, let's do our one sentence review, which uh, I'll start out. And so mine is uh, with shades of Spider-Man Two imbuing the second installment of the Tom Holland-led uh, Spider-Man franchise. He uh, struggles to balance his life as the web slinger with uh, having a normal life as a teenager. So. Uh, those combined uh, elements help create a strong second Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. Okay, that's that's your one sentence review. Yeah, it's kind of well, two sentences. That's not kind of like a statement. statement. <laughs> uh, is, is, are are we spoiler free or are we spoiler laden? Uh, we are spoiler laden. This will be okay, spoiler. Good deal. Yeah, good spoiler deal. alert moving forward. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Spoiler alert moving forward. Okay. Well, um, I have Spider-Man Far From Home as a nice follow-up to Endgame, but 
fails to encapsulate the grandness of its direct predecessor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely understand what you're saying. All right, plot synopsis. And the reason that I, I said spoiler alert moving forward is partially because of the plot synopsis. Yeah, um, right. Here so, it comes. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't want to know anything, if you haven't watched Endgame, put it that way. Uh, do not continue listening. Yeah. I would say go watch Endgame or, or whatever. Then, you know, watch Spider-Man or, or come here after or whatever. So, all right. Plot synopsis. Set in the months after the events of Avengers Endgame. Peter is continuing to deal with the loss of Tony Stark. He sets off with his fellow what? classmates on a right on a <laughs> on a class trip to Italy. There he finds himself embroiled in a battle against spectral demons from another world while allied with Nick Fury and a new hero named Mysterio. All while all the while the pressure seems to be getting heavier as the world looks for Tony's replacement. Hmm. So there you go. Yeah, you know, I, I totally love the premise of the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I really liked it. I thought it was a nice, like I said, you know, it's a nice follow-up to Endgame, you know. Mm-hmm. I personally think it was a little too soon. Okay. I mean, you got Endgame still in some theaters. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, you watch this movie and it's like, uh, wow, this literally takes place 30 seconds after Endgame. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I think you're I think, right. You're right. I think Marvel could have done themselves a little favor and probably even made more money. I mean, obviously, you know, you already gave us the stats on the current haul-in and box office, and it's going to probably make a billion, I'm guessing, all said and done with. Um, but I just think if you would have given this movie even six months, I think you're talking, you know what I mean, a more uh, eager crowd, mm-hmm. you know, to see something Marvel again. So, you know, in which case usually brings out box office numbers and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, yeah. you know, that's just that's just kind of a side thought there. No, I, I definitely agree. Look, um, I think there's uh, so obviously there's such a thing as superhero fatigue. It happens. Yes. And you have you've had Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man all within uh, what, like almost. four months or so? Maybe, yeah. you know. Five months max. I mean, that's a lot of of massive. I mean, these are massive releases. Uh, mm-hmm. Each one of those movies was uh, preceded by a huge push marketing wise, and so everybody was aware of these movies. They've all made a ton of money. Oh, yeah, and mm-hmm. and I think you needed Endgame to kind of you need to let Endgame settle the events that happen. You need to let it kind of wash over people, kind of. You know, it's like uh, this is probably a terrible analogy, but uh, it's like it's like when you get like like hand lotion, right? I mean, you put it on your your hands and stuff. You get to let give it a little time before it kind of you know is absorbed into your hands, and that's kind of like what you need to do with the events of Endgame because it's such a massive movie with so many oh, outcomes. Yeah. You got to let it kind of absorb into you know the whole. Uh, you know, audience that's watched it and the fact that it's still in theaters and then you have this movie come out, you know, Spider-Man, which is set right after it and is linked up to it because of the events that happened in Endgame with Tony's death and everybody coming back, obviously from the snap, it's, um, it's a, it's a huge set of events. And I think you're right. If they had given this even, Honestly, even if they'd give it another three months, even if you wanted to tack this on at the tail end of summer, 
Uh, you could have that even would have been better. Um, they could have just given more time. Wait till Avengers Endgame has been out of theaters for a month or month and a half, then maybe drop Spider Man. But definitely don't do it while Avengers Endgame is still in theaters. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from you know the movie itself. You know what I mean? Obviously. I'll review it as its own thing, but I think you know, just uh, just kind of as a general thoughts towards this movie. I just think I'm surprised, you know, that Disney Marvel put this out so quickly. I mean, they got so many other things going on right now, you know, with Aladdin and Toy Story, and you know, just got done with Avengers. Like, geez, it's almost it's almost Disney overkill. Yeah, you know? it's a lot of there's a lot of Disney, obviously. Yeah, and then that's not Count Lion King coming out here couple of weeks right I don't, I don't know how they're managing to uh, deal with the, the marketing <laughs> headaches of trying to market all these different yeah uh, yeah and I, and I think they're doing themselves a disservice I really do because yeah. they're pitting themselves you know they're you're pitting Toy Story against Spider-Man at the moment well then you got like Aladdin just came out a few weeks back yeah, and now and all of a sudden doing got quite well I guess yeah but then but now all of a sudden you've got Lion yep. King and then you you know yeah. it's just it's a lot of, of movies <sighs> that they own that are all competing with each other for this box office receipts so yes, but we digress yes so anyway let's uh let's talk about this movie rick why uh gotcha. let me tell you let me ask you a question what do you feel are the strengths script wise with this movie what do you think really stands out what do they do so well which, well i think, I think one know? of the strengths is, is they brought back majority of the characters from the first movie okay i think the first movie was successful enough that you actually wanted to see some of those characters mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think I think uh, it, they were written in well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything I think everything was kind of a logical next step, if you will. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like, oh, okay, they're going on a trip. You know what I mean? Like that's that's something you would expect out of a you know crew of high schoolers that you saw from the first movie. I mean, it's it, it was kind of cool that way. I thought. Um, yeah. And I and I do like the script in terms of what they did with Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I like the the flip. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like as much as I, you know, and I read quite a bit on this movie prior to seeing it and I didn't see the change or the turn, if you will, mm-hmm. happening the way it did. I knew it was going to happen. But as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking, man, how are they going to, you know what I mean? Do this. And now I can't say I was like, I, I'm pleased with the script in that regard, in terms of being able to trick me, mm-hmm. I guess. But at the same time, I'm a little disappointed because it kind of reminds me of a cross between the first Iron Man and the second Iron Man. Oh, no, third Iron Man. My bad. Okay. Uh, with the Mandarin, you know what I mean? With like, right. kind of the fake thing going on. But then it reminds me of Iron Man, the first one, in the sense that, oh, here's this person within his organization trying to get him. You know what I mean? Almost like this inner hatred or this inner whatever for tony you know yeah i guess that's true but i you know what i liked about it is you you saw a lot of characters some peripheral characters from past iron man movies these are these are the cast-offs these are the people you know for as good as tony was and i i love the line in this movie that happy tells peter late in the movie when he says that you know tony was a mess i mean for Mm. you know that he was second he second guessed himself on like everything uh, you know, we look at Tony in the MCU. If we, if you look at Tony from the first Iron Man movie and you trace his journey all the way to the end in Avengers Endgame, 
it's such a massive change for him as a character. He underwent a lot of mini arcs throughout his long arc in the yeah. MCU itself. But, you know, all, you know, while he did all of that and he did so many good things and, and he, he, t- he turned everything around, you know, he went from someone that could care less about anybody else to someone who sacrifices himself for everybody at the end and does it willingly knowing what he's sacrificing, which is his daughter and, and his wife. Um, that's great. But what I think this movie does well is that it illustrates that while Tony did a lot of good, there were a lot of people that still, I guess you could argue suffered probably to a certain extent. I mean, with the people that he worked with um, in his organization, because these are all cast offs. These are all people that suffered in some way because of Tony. You know, you look at Mysterio. Mysterio says, hey, I built that tech that we saw in the beginning of um, of uh, Captain America Civil War. You know, the one that we see Tony in where he's you know, going back to when he was, uh, you know, a uh, young man with his father and, and everything. That whole thing. And then that movie was just like this big like, oh, well, we, we spent, you know, $200 million on my little therapy session. That's what he said in the movie. Well, Mysterio did it. You know, he he created that. And then he was like, yeah. And he basically just said, this is crap. Get rid of it. We're not uh, we're not proce- proceeding any further with it. So, you know, what I liked is that they tried to provide some. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Some justification, at least in part for the actions that you see in the movie, not just from Mysterio himself, but for the people that surround him. It helped him get to where he is now, to the point where he is able to do what he does in this movie. Um, and that I liked from a script standpoint. Um, so I thought they did well with that. I was surprised by the turn, as you were. I mean, I know who Mysterio is. If you, if you know anything about the comics, you know who Mysterio is. And I remember thinking the same thing, right? I'm like, okay, right now this guy is like good, right? He's really good. He's trying to fight these demons. And what do we, you know, what do we think? Is this guy. Is he going to be good forever? Is he just going to get like maybe a a taste of power because maybe he'll be a hero here? And it kind of did turn out that way. But what I think they did so well is they made it that, you know, Mysterio was manufacturing this whole thing so that he could basically become the next Tony Stark. He'd be, he could become the person who gets all the adoration. He becomes the next hero. He mm-hmm. becomes the Tony Stark. He becomes the person that everyone is now clamoring for. Everyone's looking for the next Tony and Mysterio is like, fine, I'll step into that. But he's doing it by, you know, uh, basically pulling a, a con job on everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you I think? I don't know. I guess I just, you know, I always envisioned Mysterio as, you know, one of the um, Sinister Six. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so when I'm seeing Mysterio here, I'm still trying to figure out how this all gets together with Sinister Six, but I guess that's not for me to worry about anymore. You know, I just, I just considered that a, you know, a character that we would see for a while or whatever. I, I'll tell you what I, I think I, I liked about this movie is, uh, and I said it in my, you know, quasi one sentence review, um, which was that uh, I think they tried to incorporate some of the themes from Spider-Man 2, which to this day is still one of the best superhero movies of all time. 
that's the one that uh, Sam Raimi directed back in 2004. And uh, that one, one of the main things in that movie was, was Peter struggling to get what he wants out of life while also being Spider-Man and how that's such an untenable balance in a lot of ways. Because being Spider-Man is a 24-hour job, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week. You don't just, you know, say, I don't want to be Spider-Man today. I've got a date, right? You can't do that. It's kind of like Superman. Superman's like, hey, I want to go do this. Well, nope, someone's screaming for my help. So, sorry, you know. And the problem is when you're a teenager and you just want some semblance of a normal life, plus you're dealing with uh, the fact that, you know, your mentor died only what, a few months earlier, maybe? It's it's hard. And I, I liked what they tried to do here. I do I think they did it as successfully as Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2? Uh, I don't think so, because I think there was a lot more they were trying to do in this movie that uh, kept them from really embracing that theme as much as they, as they wanted to. Uh, but they did touch on it enough that I felt like they did it justice by kind of incorporating it into this movie. And I thought they did a good job there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to completely disagree with you on that. You know what I mean? Like, we differ a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, just I think, you know, he wants to ask MJ out and he wants to, you know, it's, they're on a class trip, you know, they're in Italy. It's romantic. He wants to just be Peter Parker, which is why he doesn't take his suit with him. He just wants to. Take yeah. a week off. No, I, yeah, you know, that and, all makes that all makes sense. I mean, it's it's a nice uh, coming of age movie, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I thought that was pretty cool, but you know, I had I had some issues. I, I had some issues even back from casting compared, you know, all the way back to the original one. Mm-hmm. You know, I have an issue with the Flash Thompson, with the Mary Jane. You know what I mean? The creation of Ned, and you know, those are all. I don't know. Maybe I'm just still too still too true to the comic book to accept a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, let's you know. Well, let, let, let's tackle let's tackle MJ um, because I want to offer my own personal take on her character, um, and and just you know see what you think. Um, I'll be honest, I really like the MJ in this version i mean don't get me oh, yeah? wrong don't okay. get me wrong I, I i i love you know if you go back to you know the sam raimi kirsten dunst. kirsten dunst she was great she was she was more of your you know traditional mary jane from the comics and she's great in those movies she really is um but i also understand that they they're saying okay fine if we want to try and, and maybe do another take on mary jane and so they kind of craft this character who is, you know, a little bit of an outsider, a little weird, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, she's, she's not uh, Miss Popular at school. But there's this attempt, I think, to kind of throw Peter and her together and also show that they are kind of in the same mold. I mean, she's pretty smart. We know Peter's smart. We know that he's, you know, intelligent enough that he can you know, create for the most part, I think his own, some of his own tech. Although right. these days, I guess he gets to, you know, have the oh, benefit of uh, Tony Stark's uh, uh, yeah. money. Well, see, I have issues with that too, but anyway. Okay. Well, I, I, I personally, 
I personally like the character for me. Um, I don't I mind them nicely in the MCU, but you know what I mean? I always struggle with the crossover between the comics and the MCU. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's some things that hit me a little harder in some of these movies, you know, the differences between the two. And I think that's one of them for me is Spider-Man. I think is stronger on it than a lot of the other movies. Yeah. So, and that's understandable. You know, I mean, everyone has their own. Uh, it's like a litmus test, really. I mean, it, some people want it to be a little more, you know, uh, traditional. And, right. and that's probably where you're at. I yeah. I don't mind it. I'm more, uh, I guess I'm more of a, as long as the spirit of it is there kind of thing. You know? Yeah. No, that's... It, it doesn't bother me as much as long as they uh, are still trying to do something with it and uh, i want to see where the the characters go from here i guess um but but let's let's jump back into the plot here so you know mysterio turns out to be bad guy right he right. he pulls this long con on well not really nick fury but we'll get to that in a minute um right. so but we'll just go with him for now he pulls a con on nick fury and maria hill as well as peter these monsters show up. They are apparently these elemental demons from another world, which Mysterio has come from another version of our world. And they've showed up here, and now they're going to you know, attack and destroy basically the Earth, more or less. So Peter teams up with Mysterio, and then we find out that it's all an illusion, which is great because that's what Mysterio is really known for, is his ability to craft these illusions and... Uh, he utilizes the drones that Tony has. He utilizes the technology that he built that we saw at the beginning of Civil War to create to create a reality that looks and feels so realistic that you know nobody thinks any anything of the fact that uh, you know these monsters show up. I mean, they, Peter fights it and everything else, and it, it feels like it's real, but it's not. It's all just a giant illusion, and then. Uh, Peter does uh, the unthinkable, and and it's. I struggled with this. This is the part I struggled with in the movie, okay. which was um, okay. So Peter gets the glasses, right? Tony okay. leaves him his glasses, which obviously allow him to do pretty much anything with Tony's tech, and the the point in the bar where Tony or where uh, Peter goes, okay, you are worthy of these glasses that was a problem for me because and don't get me wrong up to that point mysterio as a character has been great right he's had a rapport with peter he's treated him like an adult he's been sympathetic to his plight all this stuff you know all the all the problems that peter's going through and and all that stuff and he's been great and they just finished you know defeating this uh this fire demon right and uh, they're sitting in the bar, and then he's like, "Oh, here, I'm turning these glasses over to you." He makes it so that you know he get. And I'm thinking, like, Peter, you've known this guy for like 18 <laughs> hours, you know. And it's like I I understand uh, you don't feel like you're worthy of of being the next Tony Stark, which is what he feels like those glasses represent. I get that, and he's just still a teenager. So again, I understand where he's coming from to a point, but at the same time, I'm thinking. I'm I'm not buying that he would be willing to to hand over that level of power to somebody that he doesn't even know really 
doesn't even know just because they shared a couple of nice conversations and they fought a demon you know yeah yeah you're right you know i didn't, I didn't think about it till now i just i guess i just accepted it as movie uh movie magic you know what i mean something like that would happen in a movie so uh, but no now i think about it, you're right man like that that was a little ridiculous <laughs> yeah i mean i you could you could look at it like okay he again he doesn't want the power because he's already struggling with just being spider-man how can you possibly try to deal with trying to be tony uh yeah. now and i understand that it just it wasn't that i didn't understand the intent it's more i just had a hard time buying that even with that in play he would still be willing to hand over tony's most important gift to him over to somebody else that he, somebody he doesn't even now if he'd hand it to nick fury i still think it's a bad idea but i i would understand you know at least he would trust nick fury he knows nick fury well enough at least well kind of but i don't understand handing that power over to somebody that you just met. yeah so, that's that's ridiculous yeah True. um so is there anything that you felt like the movie did poorly in terms of the script uh problems you know what? Really uh, i mean i think what you brought up is you know i didn't think about that prior but now that you mention it that's probably the weakest part of the script really you know i mean i have my personal issues but it's not they're not really script related mm-hmm. um so no no okay. i no i agree that's that's probably the weakest part of the script yeah i thought they they yeah, obviously it's a Marvel movie, so they infused uh, a yeah. you know, good amount of humor into the script. Um, there's definitely some some fun parts, funny parts of the movie. Uh, the part where he accidentally calls that drone down to shoot that that uh, that kid that caught him with the you know uh, when he was caught with the girl. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, was pretty... that was pretty good, and and so he ends up uh, almost killing him, killing all of them really. Uh, because he really does not really use the tech, uh, to be honest. But you know, I think they did a pretty good job of again. It's it's a kind of a light, breezy, fun movie. Yeah, and it's got yeah. just enough, I think, substance and themes. And there's always a really good through line. I think to Marvel movies, it's something I feel like DC really needs to study, because you know the humor is funny, and all that's great. But that's only one element of what makes most Marvel movies good. And what usually makes them good, and if they do it right, which they do most of the time, is that there is a strong emotional core to every one of their movies. And in this case, again, it was, you know, Peter just lost Tony recently. He's struggling with that loss. He's struggling balancing being Peter and being Spider-Man. And on top of that, the weight of of being the heir to Tony Stark is difficult. Those are really important themes in this movie because they really form the crux of what this movie is about. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done and we get to the end of the movie, what Peter understands that we, we understand having watched this movie is that um, there's no timeout on being Spider-Man. There's no timeout on being an Avenger. You didn't become an Avenger just to go, oh, I don't feel like being an Avenger right now. I've got something important to do. Yeah. You know, like that responsibility isn't it's not like a turn on and turn off kind of thing. And that's something that I think Peter 
you know, comes to, to kind of realize at the end of the movie is that, uh, you know, great power with great, with great power comes great responsibility, but that responsibility doesn't have an off switch. So I think in that was your good. opinion, Michael, yeah. do you think it would have been so bad to bring in another Avenger for this movie? I don't... Because when they give the excuses as to why this Avenger can't help out with the situation, they're, they're pretty lame. <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I guess it, it's true. I mean, I guess what their point of view is, you know... You, I, I guess you can say like, that happens in the comics too, right? Like, why can't this mm-hmm. person show up? Well, they're busy, or they're off fighting somebody else yeah. somewhere else, or Doctor Strange is off wherever. You know, he can't he can't show up. So mm-hmm. you're gonna have to do the job, bud. And and I, I get it. I I wish they'd have something a little more concrete, but I, I guess they kind of just follow the cue of the comics, which is just hey, this person just can't be here because. They're gone. They're busy. You know, Thor can't mm. come. Thor can't come help you. So, mm. yeah, I understand. I wish something they had a little more of a concrete reason why X person can't be there. Uh, I would have liked to have seen another Avenger, but at the same time, I also understand it's it's, it's a it's a personal journey for Peter, and he has to solve right now at least his own problems uh, yeah. and his own mistakes, which. He comes to realize later. <laughs> and do you, and do you think too many people are starting to know who Spider Man is now? Um. Well, okay. So if spoiler we spoiler aside, right? Spoiler know. aside, I honestly don't have a. I guess I don't really have a problem with it. Um. You know, Ned. Okay, fine. He knew in the first movie. Okay, that gives Peter someone to talk to his own age about what he's going through, and that's fine. Um, Aunt May. Again, I really don't have a problem with that. She's a peripheral character, really, and I'm not, you know, it doesn't really bother me all that much. She shows up for like two scenes in a movie, anyway. Um, and then, and then MJ. I mean, look, MJ. I think as long as they okay. Spoiler aside, given what happens at the end, if these were the only three people. They would know who Spider-Man is, and I'm not even counting Nick Fury and all that stuff. Right. But if these are the only three people for the foreseeable future that know who Spider-Man is, that doesn't bother me. But if they started to continue to kind of like, okay, this person knows, now Flash Thompson knows, now this person knows, then it's like, okay, okay, okay. You guys got to pull back on this, right? I mean, he's still a masked superhero, okay? Um yeah. Um but then we get to the end of the movie, right? And let's talk about uh let's talk about that. Oh, okay. You didn't wanna what? You didn't wanna throw the grades out there for a script? Um did, did you wanna save that for the end? Kinda do a recap. Um no, we I tell you what, let, let's do our grades. Okay. Okay. So uh what is your grade for the script? I gave it an eighty eight. Okay, an eighty eight. Alright. Um I gave mine uh an eighty four. Okay. Um, I had you know, like I said, I had a few problems with it, so I gave it an eighty-four. I think it's a it's a it's a better than solid script. Uh, I think they do a lot of things right, but there's just a few things that I just felt like they could have improved on. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's uh let's talk about that that end credits uh yeah. scene. So. So there's two end credit scenes. Right. 
uh, was the, the maiden and end. The first one was uh, wait, was the first one with uh, the Nick Fury turns out to be not Nick Fury? Was that right, or was that the second one? Dude, I can't remember right now. I think it was the okay. I think the first one was the Nick Fury, not yeah, Nick Fury. It was so Nick Fury and Marie Hill are just driving along, driving along, and all of a sudden the two look at each other, and then they just kind of like take their face off, and they it turns out that they are scrolls. Yeah, and they contact Nick Fury, who initially appears to be sitting on a beach drinking like a mai tai or something, and he stands up hits a button and then this this giant screen just goes to black so he's more or less been pretending that he's been on vacation uh and then when he stands up he is he is not on earth he is in a massive ship and there is a lot of stuff going on and my guess is that's where we're going to pick up in uh phase four. Oh, okay that's my guess um that could be roughly the start of the next maybe Captain Marvel movie or something. Um, and then so okay. So first off, what did you think of that? Did did you like that? Did you think that that was stupid? What, you know, um, or did you think that helped the whole thing about Nick Fury buying into the whole mysterious? I wish I understood stuff? it more. Yeah, I okay, kind of do. So Nick Fury's up in space in this huge space station with scrolls. For starters, I I struggle with scrolls being not evil. Right. Um. So. It just it just provided way too many questions, mm-hmm. you know. It just seemed too like I don't know, too I don't want to call it mysterious. Just I wish there was a little bit more to that scene that would kind of explain, you know, what was going on there. But you know, I I, I had a feeling all along they would have the scrolls in this movie, whether it be I can't say I have a feeling, but I, you know what I mean? I had, you know, a couple of my buddies I talked with and stuff. We knew the scrolls would be in it somehow. Mm-hmm. One of the main, one of the characters would be a scroll and it turned out to be Nick Fury, which I assumed it would be anyway, but the way they did it, uh, like I said, I just think it has too many questions attached to it. Well, it does because it, it why would Nick, where, where is Nick Fury? Why isn't he on earth? This is a pretty big thing that's happening right yeah, now. So and I guess that's, I guess that's a good move for those that were like completely intrigued by that scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like he's in space with scrolls. Like, I wonder what's next, you know, mm-hmm. uh, me, I was a little bit like, uh, I wish there was a little bit more to that to kind of explain. Like if there could have been a little couple subtleties throughout the movie that, you know, indicated why he's in space and something dealing with scrolls or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are. Maybe there's some Easter eggs in there I didn't pick up on. I don't know. It's possible. It's certainly, I yeah. Don't, I don't know of any, but I, I want. So to that's that's what I thought of it. I was like, oh, okay. It didn't like blow my mind, and it didn't create like this. You know, I'm not yearning for the next Marvel movie. I hate to say, I, although I love Marvel movies, I'm just saying it did. That scene did not create a. Yeah. Oh, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Totally so, agree. How about you? What do you think? Um, I, I, I was, I was like, uh, like Tim Allen in Home Improvement, where I was like, huh, you know, like it just totally blew my mind because I was trying to wrap my head around it. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense initially, and it, it did eventually kind of go okay. So that's why they were able to be because I think the the real Nick Fury would have caught on. I think a little more quicker to the whole Mysterio thing, maybe. Um, but the uh, scrolls being manipulated is a little 
more believable considering what happens. Uh, why Nick Fury is up there and he's not on Earth? Well, of course, we'll have to wait and find out. But it's still like you're entrusting these scrolls, which, okay, fine. I mean, you know, apart from whether or not you think they should be bad or not, it still makes me wonder why you would entrust anybody besides yourself to go out there and try to save earth from what initially it appears like it, you know, a pretty scary, especially Nick yeah. Fury. Yeah. A guy that, you know what I mean? I think has trust issues to begin with. And now suddenly he trusts an entire race. Right. <laughs> you know, not really sure there. I mean, maybe we'll get more information in the future. We'll get, you know, the next, um, yeah. the next, uh, movie in phase four but uh let's move on to the last one this is the big one so in this uh end credit scene it uh it has spider-man going to pick mj up and she, he takes her web slinging for the first time which uh, she is not pleased about uh apparently doesn't feel like she ever wants to do that again which i would totally understand um but then the we see the you know giant screen in times square uh we see the the video change, the video feed or whatever, a recording, and it is of Mysterio. This is right before he loses against Peter, where he's telling everyone that uh, Spider-Man is in fact Peter Parker and that uh, that he ordered his death. So it's been recut. The way the you know all the the stuff that was recorded, it's been recut to make it appear like Peter Parker killed Mysterio and on top of that Peter Parker is in fact Spider-Man so uh, what did you think of that development well first it was nice to see uh, what you're calling back as J. Jonah yes which was just amazing yeah so that was cool um I think that's kind of a corny way to reveal Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wish it would have been a little bit more eventful than just a, you know, end credit scene. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, oh well. I I think a lot of this is going to depend on how they resolve this, actually. I think that yeah. the big thing is, is this going to be one of those things where Peter has to find a way to make it all turn out to be a lie? And I think that's what they'll end up trying to do is initially, this, I mean, this is a really big, scary thing because he's just said who Peter Parker is. And I think the the challenge is going to be to prove to people that he's not, in fact, Spider-Man. Or at least make yeah. it appear that way. Uh, so we'll see what they do there. Um, but it is obviously a big deal, given that Peter Parker is a teenager and... On top of that, there are people that uh, wish to do him harm, and if they know exactly who he is, they're going to be coming after him. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think is something. I mean, for him, it's going to be all or bust at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? No, he's either going to have to decide, okay, you know, we're just basically reopening the Avengers, and I am the new Tony Stark who already told the world he was Iron Man, you know? Yeah, like is he, is he going to go that route, or is he going to try, like you said, to kind of, how can I convince everybody that that was just, you know, I'm not really Spider Man, and it's too late now, you know what I mean? You can't put the genie back in the bottle, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I just wish it was a little bit more. You know. I kind of wish it wasn't in a 
end credit yeah. scene. Yeah. I wish yeah. it was in a movie. I wish it was the, you know, heck, make it the beginning of the next Spider-Man yes. movie. Yes. Where so, that becomes the the impetus for the entire movie where all like in the first five, ten minutes of the movie, all of a sudden this pops up and now Peter's got to scramble around. That or how about he yeah. does something where he had no choice to finally expose his identity. You know I mean, true. he's put in a situation, this huge situation where, you know, he's like, well, I can't save these people without knowing, you know, without everyone knowing I'm Peter Parker. You yeah, know, yeah. like, I think that would have been a little more cool and a little bit more superhero-esque, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know. I always think it's better when a character is stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, yeah. they, have, they have a hard decision yeah. and the decision is going to have a there's going to be a fallout from that decision but uh in the end of the at the end of the day they're willing to make that sacrifice. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, so uh let's get to the acting here. Um mm. I I um I've always felt, you know, most Marvel movies have some generally good acting. You know, they right. they pick good actors to to portray the characters. And whether it's uh, from a comedic standpoint, from a dramatic standpoint, or a combination, they tend to do a great job casting. And it's the same here. And obviously, a lot of these people are holdovers from the previous Spider-Man movie. Uh, So that's not a surprise. But, you know, like nabbing Jake Gyllenhaal, that's a fantastic acting, you know, pickup for anybody. And, uh, you know, if you want to get into a discussion, do you, do you think that, you know, the, was the Vulture better in the first one or was, mm. you know, Mysterio better? That's a fun discussion to have. I, if I had my own personal take, and, and this isn't even an acting thing, but just to say, I think that I liked the Vulture a little better. Okay. But that's not taking away from what I felt like was a, a solid villain in Mysterio. Um, you know, twist aside, um, I thought they did a, a solid job in crafting a, a pretty good villain. Uh, I think that Mysterio lacks some of the, the, the pathos that mm. the Vulture had and maybe some of the more clear-cut reasoning uh, for why he was doing what he was doing. We knew why we knew why Michael Keaton's character was doing what he was doing, right? We right. got it. Um, that was illustrated early on. This one here, I, I got a sense of why, but it still felt a little muddy to me uh, at times for like yeah. motivations. You know, my, my, you know, are there any standout performances? I say not really. Everyone kind of delivered the way I thought they would deliver. So mm-hmm. nothing stand out in my opinion. Yeah. Nothing stood out rather. Um, with Gyllenhaal particularly, I, I was a little disappointed. Okay. Um, you know, maybe it's because I usually watch most Jake Gyllenhaal movies. Uh-huh. I really think he's a good actor. Um, but I just, I didn't see, he didn't seem to have enough gravitas in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, if he's a bad guy, I want to really dislike him. Uh-huh. You know, and I know he can pull that off because I've seen movies, you know, where he... Nightcrawler? Con- yeah, <laughs> where he totally convinced me, you know whether how good he was, how bad he was, et cetera. And I just didn't get this out of now, you know, obviously script and everything else, you know, it's a comic movie, you know, you're going to have, you know, he's going to have to like change his approach a little bit. But before he turned heel, I thought it was when he was at his uh, least memorable. 
You know what I mean? I thought I thought once he turned heel, I thought he turned out to be a better bad guy. Uh, but when he was a bad guy trying to be a good guy, if you will, uh-huh. um, bad guy here, I sound like a 10 year old. Um, <laughs> then, you know, I, I just I just didn't get it with him. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't I wasn't sold on. It's like, wow, he's everything seems very canned. Now, maybe that was his character uh-huh. being that inside. He really was evil. So maybe, you know, he was just acting good and it was him acting. So it was an actor acting, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, you know, to make a long story short, I just, I wasn't impressed with him as much as I had hoped to be. Um, so, but in terms of like all the other acting, you know, of course, Zendaya was Zendaya. I've never been impressed with her, by the way, in terms okay. of acting. Never. Um, I don't say I'm not saying she's bad. I just don't understand what all the, you know, what the big deal is about her. I don't. I I think she's mediocre at best. Okay. Um, JB Smoove, who you know obviously had a little side role, um, is a hilarious dude. If anyone knows JB Smoove, but he was he didn't he wasn't even funny in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I I thought you know, that. And was, he's funny. Yeah. He's funny. Like everything I've ever seen him in, the dude is funny. This movie, I just thought he was just kind of, oh, man. You know, I, I was, think, honestly, they tried too hard yeah, with him. I think you're right. Honest. Like, hey, we got this comedian with us here. You know, we'll just give him these lines. He'll make it funny. And I, I think even he couldn't make it funny. Well, that's um, a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Hey, make this funny. Yeah. You know, well, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to say it, but some of the greats can. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. You know, I just... I wasn't impressed with the acting, but I wasn't disappointed either. So overall, I, you know, nothing standout-ish, nothing poor. Just overall, just kind of what I expected. Well, what I'll say is I'm I'm inclined to agree with you on most of that there. Um, I think I'm a little higher on the Jake Gyllenhaal than you are. But I will say this um, because, I, I mean, I'll tell you right now what my grade is for acting. My grade was an 86. So you know, here's the thing. Um, that sounds like wow, in '86, gee guys, you know, you guys are like lambasting these people. But um, I, when we say, when I say, or at least when I, when I get from you, when you say you, they are what you expected, acting wise. At least for me, I thought, yeah, they're all for the most part good, really good, right? I mean, yeah, it's like when right. we say there is, you know, it's like when you get like four or five Oscar winning actors in a movie and you go to grade the acting and you're like, yeah, they're exactly what I thought they'd be. You're like, well, okay. So what? You give them a 70? You know, it's like, no, they're all Oscar winning, you know, actors who are just nailing out of the park. Um, Maybe there's nothing that's so memorable about one specific actor, but it's because they're all working at the top of their form, you know? So it sounds like we're, you know, kind of coming down on the acting here, but like I thought that everyone was at minimum solid, minimum solid. But I, th- you know, I felt like, you know, everyone for the most part really brought their A game, you know? I thought Tom Holland did a really good job. I'm, I'm not been a fan of his as, as Spider Man. Uh, I thought that uh, he tackled the storylines really well, what they were trying to go for in this movie. You know, uh, the comic relief was there. I, some of it worked for me and some of it didn't. But I thought enough of it definitely landed. Um, and, you know, for the most part, whether it's it was um, a, 
actor doing a comedic role or, you know, just a returning actor from the first movie, you know, with more to do. Uh, I, I just felt like they did a really good job. Like, uh, what's the uh, Betty Betty Brandt in this movie? The girl that was dating Ned for like three days. Yeah, isn't she yeah. a Disney actress? Isn't she from Disney Channel? I don't show. I don't know. Um, I'm not uh, aware of any <laughs> that honestly. I really don't know anything about her. She looked very familiar. My children watch Disney a lot, so or did. So she looked very, very familiar to me. I never looked oh, it up, but I'm pretty certain she was in a show. That's where we. That's I couldn't remember. I'm like, where are you from? I know where she's from, Rick. She's what? from the Nice Guys. Oh, the movie Nice Guys. Yeah, the Nice Guys. Oh, she okay. was uh, uh, Ryan Gosling's daughter, remember? Okay. I still, that was I'm still her. convinced yeah. that she was her real name. Uh, her name is uh, Angori Rice. Uh, I'm looking at her, her filmography here. And no, I think she's. Oh, wow. No. Okay. Well, yeah. Nope, I thought she was on Disney. Nope. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So look, um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, she had more to do. Obviously, in the first Spider-Man movie, she was just, you know, a character. She really didn't have much to do. A few lines here and there, but, uh, yeah. she has more to do in this movie. Granted, it's mostly comedic relief kind of stuff, but uh, you know, she she acquitted herself well enough. I think that she she wasn't weakness. Uh, but again, yeah. acting, I'm going to give it an 86. I just felt like everyone, for the most part, was was good and, uh, if not good, better. Um, I think there's only a couple of times where I thought, eh, I don't really know about that that actor or whatever. But I think, for the most part, they did a good job. So, what is your, uh, what's your grade? Believe it or not, the same. Okay. 86. Um, that's probably going to be one of my lower scores for this movie. Okay. Um, well... Suffice to say, our, our grade is an 86 for acting, and our, our, yeah, right. our, our grade for script, by the way, is an 86 overall. Oh, so. yeah. I have a feeling this that's where this movie's going. Yeah. That All range. right. Uh, directing. So, John Watts returns as director, and, you know, I thought that he he did a good job um, in the first, the first movie, and uh, I, I don't remember the grade I gave for him there, but... Okay. Oddly enough, I actually think he did a better job here than he did in the first movie. Um, I don't know if it's the different setting uh, that allows him to kind of, because you know New York is is kind of it's tight, you know, yeah, and you don't really have a lot of of room to maneuver. Whereas now we're in like Italy and a couple other countries, and you can get outside a lot more, and you have a little more freedom of movement. And I don't know if that just helped out, but uh, I just felt like John Watts uh, was better in this as a director than he was in the first one. Um, and I think the first one taught him what to do and what not to do when you're helming a giant special effects laden movie. Um, and this one, I think he really did. Uh, a good job. So I'm going to give it an 85 for directing. Well, I was probably overly generous. I gave an 88. Oh, okay. I agree with what you said. You know, I like the way he was able to use uh, bigger landscapes. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think in terms of the photography, and I don't know if this can be attributed to him or not, but a lot of it I thought was really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the scenes were shot really, really well. Like, I don't know if that's him. 
mm-hmm. or if he has a great cinematographer or what. But I thought this movie particularly had some really cool shots. Um, so, you know, I think that's where a lot of my higher score comes from, from him, for him. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards 88. I mean, you know, with a solid script, which, I mean, he probably had a little part in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you include that, bringing in a lot of the old characters and such. I thought, yeah, you know, like I said, 88 might be a little high, but I think, you know, it was, it, he did a good job directing. You know, I trust him to do the next one. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, 86 overall for directing from us. Uh, special effects. Uh, I gave the effects an 88. Okay. Um, I gave it a 91. Okay. Um, yeah. I just thought that they were they were typical, for the most part, typical uh, Marvel level yeah. special effects. Yeah. Mar- yeah. Very rarely does Marvel have bad special effects. You know, here they are creating these 300 foot monsters made of, you know, wind and sand and mm-hmm. fire and everything else. And it, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, being that Spider-Man himself is probably 90% CGI mm-hmm. when he's Spider-Man, you know, well, at least when he's doing all the action stuff. Um, I think that was done well, as usual. For the Spider-Man movies, they pretty much have that down pat. I didn't see much quirkiness in the movement, you know what I mean, uh, in Spider-Man or in anything, really. So, you know, overall, yeah, I, I give it a 91. I just thought, yeah, I mean, like you said, Marvel's usually pretty solid about special effects. Good luck, you know, nitpicking their special effects. No, definitely. I agree. Um, I saw a shot here and there in the movie that I thought was, eh. Uh, little video game-ish. Yeah, not the best. And that's why yeah. it's an 88, not uh, in the 90s for me. But overall, I mean, it's it's like, you know, nitpicking what is otherwise fantastic yeah. quality. I think a lot of times if this was a movie done by, I don't know, I don't want to say DC because, you know, no one likes that comparison, but, you know, another movie company, mm-hmm. you know, like a, well, I would say Sony, but it is Sony, <laughs> um, you know, a death of movie company, you know, not of uh, Disney and Marvel stature. We'd have been like, wow, you know what? The special effects were really, really good, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But being that it's a Marvel, we're not blown away by, you know what I mean? Special effects and. You know, after seeing Endgame and the first Spider-Man and everything that we see Marvel, like, it's hard to be too critical. You know, you just have to accept it as it's going to be good no matter what. Agreed. Definitely agreed. Yeah. Um, all right. So our overall grade for that is an 89 for special effects. Yeah, just kind of weird on a, such a low budget. Right. 160. I thought about that earlier. I'm like, 160 million, it seems low, low for me. I'm used to seeing these budgets of 200 million plus for a Marvel movie. And so, I mean, don't get me wrong. 160 is a big budget for a lot of movies, but for a Marvel movie, it's actually on the low end. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's move on to pacing. So, uh, pacing for me was an 82. Um, you know, I thought that, uh, they kind of fluctuated at times in the movie with, uh, pacing, in terms of the quality and the way they were able to try to get back and forth between different storylines. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of times, like when they were trying to be comedic, mm-hmm. I think that kind of messed with the pacing a little bit too. Do you agree? Yeah. It, it, and you're shifting from what is Peter doing, which might be say fighting or right. might be just, might could be just, um, you know, observing something going on and they kept shifting to different things. And, and there was times, not all the time, 
sometimes it was fine, but there was times where I felt like a little bit of a slog to get through the different point of points of view, either in a battle because you might be got Peter and Mysterio doing their thing, and you got Ned and Betty up in the Ferris yeah. wheel kind of thing, and then you've got uh, Nick Fury and Maria Hill. And, uh, you know, shifting back and forth generally, I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not indicative necessarily of poor pacing, but on top of that, you also have to deal with, uh, the, you know, trying to get through the plot and what's going on there, you know, with, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. The twist with Mysterio was great right. and all that's, that was great, but it felt like there was a bit of a slog at various points in the movie. I, I just a little felt like a little more like editing would have cleaned up some of that and it would have been a much better paced movie it's not bad it's just i actually think the two hours was a little extreme i think this movie could have been an hour 45 and been pretty good yeah this 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 came out at uh 209 yeah so i think yeah yeah even if you knocked off I mean, even 10 minutes, I think, would have probably helped. Yeah, out. just little bits here and there, I think it would have. I think sometimes they like, well, like with some of those comedic scenes, I think they drug them a little bit. You know, like even yeah. when he accidentally had the uh, laser drone, you know, come down to accidentally take out whatever that guy's name is. Oh, um, yeah. The kid that was I, like. Yeah. yeah. It was like suddenly it's like, okay, when's this scene over? Mm-hmm. You know, ha ha ha. Okay, that's pretty funny. Oh my God, the scene's still going on. Mm-hmm. Okay, the scene's still going on. You know what I mean? Like, I thought a couple of those scenes drug out a little bit, you know, when they were purposely trying to be, you know, infuse some comedy. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of, you know, I don't, know, I don't think it helped the pacing. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I gave it an 84. Um, I guess, you know, I just kind of not impressed. <laughs> you know, yep. I'm not not bad, not good. Just you know those things. It's like okay, you know. I mean, I never got to the point that I was overall bored mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? I didn't, th- and I don't think it was incoherent or completely inconsistent. I'm just saying, like there was the pacing. It just there was a couple scenes that just kind of, you know, these were quirky again. But they se- it seemed to be a little quirky, like a little, you know, uh, abrupt here and abrupt there and long here and shorter here and yeah it wasn't like consistent it. a consistent there you go uh, yeah yeah inconsistent yeah uh all right so overall our grade is an 84 uh for that uh rewatchability for me rake i'm gonna go with an 88 oh, um geez. this is a miracle tonight it it's oh well it's not i mean we're close that's what's a miracle oh, okay yeah. yeah so for me um i you know Things that are, issues I have aside in this movie, which granted are for the most part pretty minor, um, the, the the movie's fun. You enjoy your time with these characters. You enjoy the storyline, and I I enjoyed myself. Um, no, I did not come out of this movie thinking this is the greatest uh, superhero right. movie, and I I would put this in the maybe above average, slightly above average. Uh, ranking of the Marvel movies, um, it's it's uh it's better in some ways I think than Homecoming, but it also I think isn't as good in some ways as right. Homecoming. Um, so but I still think Homecoming is uh probably better than this movie, 
But I think this movie also has some very great qualities. These the qualities that uh, is in part because of the different location and because Spider-Man has, has been forced to grow up and, you know, maybe faster than he would have liked. And we need, we had to see the repercussions of the losses that he suffered. And so in some ways, we were seeing a much more mature Peter Parker because of it. So those are great. Uh, but it's still a breezy, fun time. And, and I really, you know, like I said, really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not dying to see it a second time. I'm not mm-hmm. dying to buy the DVD the day it comes out. Mm-hmm. I mean, will I? Possibly. But, you know, just because I want to keep the Marvel thing rolling. Um, I gave an 85 for rewatchability. Just because there was nothing overall memorable about this movie that I'm, you know, anxious to see again. Uh, but, you know, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't break my heart if, you know, the, ki- the kids wanted to watch it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll sit and watch it again. You know? Um, and... I mean, if I do watch it again, I'm going to be looking for little things maybe related to the scrolls and so forth now, you know, trying to find a couple of things. Uh, but, yeah, I'm giving 85 rewatchability. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, our overall uh, grade here, um, my overall grade is an 85, Rake. Mm. And... Uh, your overall grade is an 88. Wow, yeah. So I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it is a very good movie. You know, it's very entertaining. It's funny. It's cool. It, it's it's in canon with, you know, everything that's happened in Marvel. Um, I just think, and, you know, for my final thoughts, you know, I'm going to roll with the fact that I was just expecting a little more. Maybe I was just so overwhelmed by how great, at least I thought, Endgame was. Uh-huh. You know, how, like, emotionally, like, drained after seeing Endgame that I was, you know, hoping for a little more from this movie. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think if this would have came a little later, like I said, way earlier in the podcast, if this movie would have been shown in December, for example, I probably, it probably would have got a higher score from me. Yeah. You know, cause I just think, I think it's just too many things are too close together at this point. Yeah. They're trying so, to get all these eyeballs to watch yeah. this movie and, Boy, they better have something amazing up their sleeve for the next Marvel phase. Yeah, phase phase four through phase whatever seven. If they if they do the the three phase thing, I, I did just there. read uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, yeah. I heard she I heard she's involved in MC. Well, MCU for phase four. She is. Uh, you already know. Uh, there's. Hold on, I think there's a rumor. Um. She is being rumored for the Eternals. Oh, one one of the characters. One yeah, of the the, oh, okay. yeah. They don't know, however, I think what her character is going to be, but I, I guess she will you know, be in the Eternals. At least this is correct. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm really, you know, I'm really curious how Marvel's going to pitch Eternals. Well, it 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 it's you know here's the thing though it's a really great it's a really great casting coup because yeah, we, know so how, far, yeah. we know how good she is as an actress so I'll, I'll be interested to see what she's able to do with uh with the character yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if it's true if this is all true and granted it's still yeah, a rumor true it's still a rumor but uh yeah so 
look, uh, overall, this movie, I think, is it's a good one. Uh, overall, the grade for this uh, is uh, an uh, 86. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah, good it's a good movie. It's fun. Definitely recommend it. Definitely go see it. Yeah. Yeah. You will definitely enjoy yourself. All right, everybody. Uh, Raker, thanks for coming on yeah. and uh, talking about some Spider-Man Far From yeah, Home. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. Pleasure to be back. Yeah. Um, so we'll be on here for long. I know uh, we'll be doing Stranger Things again next week. We'll be reviewing uh, episode two, possibly also episode three, if we can do it. Uh there is a doing a review of the movie contact next week with uh with jacob and uh we also might tackle another movie rake so you know maybe we'll have you on if we can and we'll tackle something else but we also have the lion king coming up here uh we'll be doing a review for that in two weeks so look out for that as well so that'll be huge um and that's it so thanks everyone for you know, listen to the podcast, and if you'd like to write in, you can send your emails to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can check out our website at freakinggeeks.com. You can rate and review the movies just like we do on here. Um, with We have slider bars, and you can, you can type the, the grades in and you know tally up your overall score. So you can do that. And then on top of that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash freakinggeeks, and if you'd like to support the podcast and help keep the lights on you can subscribe for as little as a dollar uh any any kind of uh you know subscribe or subscription will help us out whether it's a dollar five dollars ten dollars whatever it happens to be so uh check that out as well uh and that's it so we'll see everybody next time thanks for listening to us talk about spider-man far from home on the freaking geeks podcast great signing off Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks Podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks.